Welcome to the Game Plan Podcast with Judah Newby and Brian Perkins, breaking down all things Seahawks. Wow, what a game. What a game in Seattle in week five as the Seahawks fall to the Los Angeles Rams 33-31. to Welcome back to the Game Plan Podcast as we are recapping that football game. That was amazing. Where, where to start with this one? Alongside Brian Perkins, I'm Jude Danubi. Were you encouraged? Are you simultaneously encouraged and discouraged? You know, it's amazing, Perkins. I certainly didn't think the Seahawks were going to be competitive in this football game. So from that standpoint, I am very encouraged. The way they ran the football at various points in this game was very encouraging as well. And yet, and yet, when you come that close to beating the best team in the National Football League, and you could argue self-inflicted wounds kept you from winning that football game, it really hurts. In a game you could argue they needed to win, right? Feels a little bit like... I was I was not considering them for divisional competition this year. Maybe mathematically, but long run, no, you couldn't see that. Could you? Could you really see that? No, but now that now they're pretty much completely out of it. So that's yeah. kind of depressing a little bit because we're only four weeks into the sea, five weeks into the season. But, Wild card. But uh, you know, I mean, it felt like as the game progressed, the stars were aligned for a Seahawks upset. It was at home in Seattle. Cup goes down with injury. Cooks goes down with injury. Marcus Peters is clearly not 100%. He's getting burnt like toast left and right on the field. What was going on? Offensive line was playing well. Russell was playing really well. Play calling was solid. The running the foot. Everything seemed aligned for Seattle to get an upset win. And when it doesn't happen, you're right. It is very frustrating. Yet somehow, some way, I am still not as frustrated by this loss as I was by Arizona's win. By the win in Arizona two weeks ago. So explain right. that one. Well, I mean, quality of competition. Start there. You're playing the best team in football as opposed to a bottom five team in football. I don't care if one's on the road, one's at home. You should be discouraged by a three-point win over a bottom <laughs> five team. You should be encouraged by a two-point loss against the best team, even if it is at home, no matter their injury situation. You know, a couple of things. Do you think this is a type of football game? And we'll get into the details of it in a moment that the rest of the NFL should take notice of the Seahawks. And I mean it in this regard. Not that they're like a top five talented team, but that they can compete with anybody. Is this the type of game? This is their best game of the season that they played, no question. Is this the type of game that might fly under the radar a little bit since they lost? But if NFL teams were smart, they'd be taking a look at how the Seahawks played in this game and be like, you know what? The Seahawks are going to be a tough out for anybody. I don't... That, that's a tough team to blow out, the Seahawks, if the Rams can't blow them out. It, it does feel that way a little bit, right? Like, Seattle is going to be mired in mediocrity most likely this season, but they are going to be a team that you can't overlook. You know, if you're if you're a team that uh, is playing the Seahawks in Week 10 and you have the bye coming up or you have a, a really big divisional game the following week, you can't just go, okay, this is a team we can overlook and, uh, you know, we'll be good to go. Uh, the Seahawks are... Kind of, I think, what a lot of us thought they would be to start the year, right? A team that is a bit of a sieve on defense, which going up against the Rams... Well, and no Earl Thomas, so, you know, temper it a little bit. Sure. I, I was actually a little... In, well, it's hard to be encouraged by the defense in, in most statistical categories. But without Earl, I thought the Rams would have put up a 40-burger, no question. Yeah, and they they obviously didn't. And, the, the, you know, they stopped them the first two possessions and then literally did not stop them the rest of the game. Uh, but... 
I, I guess what I'm getting at is the Seahawks going into the season looked like the type of team where the offense was going to have to score 28, 35, 30 points somewhere in there if they wanted to have a chance to win because the defense probably couldn't keep up like it had in years past. And so this was the type of game that I think some people were expecting from the Seahawks this season. It might be high scoring. It might not be great at times, but Seattle would be in it because of the way the offense played, which was pretty good for most of the game. Again, this is the type of game I might expect against the Cowboys week three. With, and that ended up being a low scoring, you know, 24, 13 yeah. win. Right. Yeah. And we came away from that one knowing that they had a hundred yard rusher, but also knowing, wow, the Cowboys are freaking mediocre. And, you know, they took care of business the way they, they did. So honestly, I, I honestly think, you know, and you know where I stood on this game. I was saying, lay the seven and a half with the Rams all day long. Yeah. Egg on my face. Congratulations, Seahawks. You proved me wrong. You showed me something as a team that I did not think you had, especially without Earl Thomas, especially with the way that your offense had been rolling the, last, the first four weeks of the season. You proved me wrong. The Seahawks proved me wrong in this game. And I will own that, and I'm I'm happy they did as a Seahawk uh, fan. And I'm also encouraged about what this means for the rest of the season. I tell you what, my season outlook has changed for this team based on this game. Has it for you? So what it, what has it changed? What was it? And Before what is this it? game, I was thinking six win team. After this game, I'm thinking they can go. They can get six wins the rest of the way and get to eight. I think they can go an eight and eight team as opposed to six and ten. And you that's know, two wins better than, in terms of expectation based on one game. I'd say that's significant. Yeah, and you know, I I always thought, or I had thought, they were a pretty much seven to nine win team going into this season. And well, that's a lot of. I mean, well, I guess the NFL, so many games are fifty fifty. But yeah, I mean, seven see, to nine and nine and seven. I feel like I look at a lot of nine and seven teams a lot different than I do seven to nine teams. It, yeah, I mean, to me, like Seattle last year missing the playoffs, like they weren't a very good team. They were mediocre. They won nine games. I did not look at them as better than most teams, than the Cardinals, who won, I think, seven games last year. I didn't think they were much better than the Cardinals. Well, In fact, they lost to the Cardinals. Turns out. But, you know, I mean, this is a team that that when you look at the games they've already played, though, Judah, and this is the frustrating thing, the Broncos are not a very good football team. Uh, you know, you've seen the Bears be inconsistent, and so you look at the quality of competition, and you're right, going into this game, who would have thought they had a prayer against the Rams? But classic Seattle playing up to the up to the competition – uh, obviously, home field probably mattered quite a bit in this one as well. But I mean, look, Wilson was firing on all cylinders. They called play action. You know, half of their pa- pass plays were play action for for Wilson in this game, or almost half of, the, of them. I think they had twelve play action attempts in this game, and he took one sack. And you look at the play action stats out of this world for Russ. So he played really well. The running game was going. I mean, you're right. I I don't know if my expectations for this team think that they threaten for the playoffs unless the rest of the NFC is really down as well. But yeah, they're 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 gonna be a, a team that's gonna be competitive and probably win eight games and pick fifteenth in the draft. Well and and style of play matters as far as sustainability. You know, the way it, it, this is three straight games they've had a one hundred yard rusher. Three straight games. I mean there's a lot of teams that have gone a long time without having a one hundred yard rusher. They've done it three games in a row. That level of, of Excellence, I think, in the run game is sustainable moving forward. How about the the ability to convert on third and short in the run game? They did a Mike Davis over left guard for a third and three. Chris Carson had a couple third and one plays that he broke open for big gainers. I mean, they stayed true to the run on third and short. It got stopped once at a critical moment, but I liked that kind of resilience to stay true to the run game. And it, it felt cathartic 
in this sense. The fans in the stadium, the fans watching on TV, they needed to see it. They needed to see it in order to believe that the run game can work on third and short. They needed to see it, and the Seahawks showed it that it could be done in this game, even in defeat. I think that kind of style of football, you're going to be able to move the chains, you're going to be able to keep time of possession, keeps your defense off the field. That's what they needed a little bit more of in Chicago. They should have won that game. That's what they needed a little bit more of in Denver, and they should have won that game. You know, you can make an argument. This team has been competitive in every single game this season, and two and three might not be representative of how good they can be. The running game was much has been getting better too, right? That's that's the positive thing you want to see is the first hundred yard game. You go, okay, cool. They had to run it like 30 times to get him to 100 yards. Like, that's not a great overall statistic. But, I mean, this is a team that averaged almost six yards a carry against a, a very, very good Rams defensive front. And credit not only to Carson and Davis, but to the offensive line that played really felt well. Afedi didn't really hear from him until the false start late in the game. Fluker played a really good game. Did you see his pancake on Mike Davis' yeah. touchdown run oh, of Sue? Just completely knocked him off his block. I mean, just an incredible effort by an offensive line that everyone in the fan base has been very critical of for multiple years. So you're right. And this is – I assumed you were ecstatic watching a lot of this game because this is exactly what you wanted to see. Yep. It ended up being a pretty high-scoring affair, but Seattle was really able to control, especially in the first half, a lot of possessions by running the football. Well, see, and that's my point. That's my point. If you copy and paste that strategy and that effort against the following opponents, Oakland and London, you're a better team than Oakland. Yep. In Detroit, it's going to be tough, but this is a type of brand of football that could win on the road. You know, versus the LA Chargers, that's going to be tough. At the LA Rams, that's going to be tough. Versus Green Bay on a Thursday night, you're better than Green Bay right now. And again, a lot can happen between now and November 15th. If we know anything... It's that NFL schedules are dynamic. There are a lot of up and downs. The other thing, though, that that and I don't know if this was due to the run game, because there's a lot of metrics out there that show you that play action. You don't necessarily have to be running that well for play action to work, because all you need is for a defensive player to have that split second, right? A pause in their brain in order for you to be successful. But here is Russell Wilson on play action. 12 dropbacks, 8 for 11, 142 yards, two touchdowns, 12.9 yard per attempt. This is a 72.7% uh, completion, 154.4 passer rating. Non-play action, 11 dropbacks, 5 of 10, 56 yards, 1 touchdown, 5.6 yard per attempt, 50% completion, 100 passer rating. Still not terrible. But last week, you and I were so frustrated that Russell Wilson did not have an attempt beyond 15 yards. Yeah, that was mind-boggling. A guy me. that has one of the best deep balls in the game, and we saw them showcase that against the Rams on Sunday which was really great to see. It was great to see Russell look like he was comfortable out there back in his element. All right, last part of the game here. Let's go. Let's fast forward to the, the end of the fourth quarter. We were and so positive there for a while. The Rams yeah. take a 33-31 lead on a Cairo Santos field goal after he misses a would-be game-tying extra point on the previous drive. Seahawks have the football. They've got a second and 12, I believe. And then they go deep down the field. Russell Wilson to Tyler Lockett. Wilson evading a rush out of the pocket, throwing it down the middle, and Tyler Lockett with a beautiful double move back to the inside to secure a deep pass down to the Los Angeles Rams. 35-yard line here with about three and a half minutes to go. And uh, at this point, you're basically thinking, we have a chance to get one more first down, run this clock down, kick a field goal, everybody goes home. I think the Rams didn't have any timeouts left either. I think they had one left. One, but, one but, left. You know, with that much time left, 
you still want to see them, though, move the ball forward and be aggressive moving the ball forward. You don't necessarily need to get in the end zone if you can get another first down. But, I mean, as it stood right there, we're talking about almost a 50-yard field goal attempt for a guy that, while, yes, seems to have righted the ship, you know, you want to see them not leave, first of all, any time for the Rams on the clock because this defense had not been able to stop them all day. And that's so in that sense, yeah, you need to get one more first down. Yep. Hopefully. And, and then run the clock down to zeros. So they come out, they run the football and well, before they do right off the bat, you get a false start on Jermaine Fetty. make it first and 15. Then you come out, you run the football, you gain three yards with Mike Davis over the left side, second and th- 12. Now second and 13, you come out, run the football again, the play call interesting second and 13 from that spot on the field. You know, I know you want to run the football there, but that's a tough that's a tough position to be as a play caller. You want to run clock, but you also got to gain yards as you're trusting the leg of Sebastian Janikowski. And what ends up happening is the worst case scenario, something you can't account for as a play caller, a hold on DJ Fluker on Adam Kinsu. Now, a lot was made up of that hold, both by Fluker and Pete Carroll. Pete saying I don't know why they chose to throw the flag on that play. The same thing was happening on a bunch of other plays. I get it where you're coming from, Coach. It was just more visible on that play than others. You know why? Because Sue extended his arm, and that's how you could see the holding actually happen. Whether or not Fluker was in the same position that he normally is, it was Sue's reaction that ends up exposing the holding infraction. And you know what? Ndamukong Sue made huge plays in the fourth quarter of this game where where as you mentioned earlier in the game, he had been owned by Fluker on a couple of plays. That was one of them. That was a huge play by a huge man in a big moment, and Fluker was called for the hold. That entirely changes the game. Entirely changes the game. Takes you to second and 23, and now you're in big trouble. It does, yeah. Um, first of all, I do not like the run call on second and 12 because I know you've been you've been running the ball well all day, but in that scenario... If you want to have a chance at a first down, or at least, excuse me, more than an outside chance at a first down, you got to get six or seven yards there, you know, most likely against that team. And and I just felt like that was the wrong play call at that time. It's easy to say in hindsight, of course. As for the hold, I think it was a hold. Personally, I thought it was a pretty obvious call by the officials. Yeah, I know too. Fluker wasn't happy, but... Uh, you, know, you know, Rondé Barber pointed it out like before you even saw the replay. So yeah. if it's that visible, then yeah, it's, yeah. it's probably... And you're right. I mean, acting by Sue is... Well, it wasn't even acting. It was just... Well, it was just emphasizing it, what it, was it going on. It emphasized it. Yeah. His natural movement, reaching yeah. out for the ball carrier, yeah. really accentuated yeah. that it was a hold. If if the ball goes away from him, then he he probably isn't... It's not a holding but what did you think of Seattle's approach once it got to second and long? Second and 23. Sorry, second and longer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Second and longer. Um, well, they went for a quick stick route on the right side. And to be honest, I got to give the Rams a lot of credit. To me, defensively, they made the winning plays. I'm not going to criticize that play call. I mean, they could have got an easy six yards there, you know? Got him back in field goal range. Make, get, you need 10 yards to get back in field goal range from that point. And quite frankly... You need 10, you're at the 45-yard line. You need 10 yards for a 52-yard field goal. 10 yards. Yeah. So you get Second six down, there. you're getting six or seven. Yeah. You do something similar to get a few more. I don't blame it. It was a great play by the edge rusher because he studied film. He knew what was coming. Step back. You know, jump, knock that ball down. That's a great play. The play that Ndamukong Sue made 
And what the heck was that other linebacker's name? Littleton? The play that Littleton made? That was him knocking that ball down, and it was him on the third and 23 rush, beating the running back in pass pro. I watched that game. I rewatched that game. As much as I want to almost rip my own team, I got to give credit. The Rams' defense, while porous at points in this game, made the plays that he had to make late. I would say they won the game. Yeah, the, rather than Seattle lost it. Yeah, I, I would. Yeah, and I, I would agree with you on that. And it's unfortunate because ultimately Seattle could take a risk with a long field goal because where the Rams ended up field position-wise, if Seattle had missed, was inconsequential, right? Because yeah. ultimately they would have had to get a stop anyway. Yeah, field we're, position we're, doesn't matter. It didn't there. matter. And so, we've seen Seabass, he still has that leg and he still has the clutch factor. Yeah, no, he does for you sure. You don't want to rely on it, but you know he has it. But you know he has it. So you're right. All they really needed was seven to ten yards probably to make an, an, an attempt at it. In the span of two plays. And the Rams showed up when they needed to. Yeah. You know, given the disappearing act for most of the game, it was, uh, it was pretty impressive. And at that point... It was kind of hard to think that Seattle was going to uh, win that football game for me in my mind. And the only reason that we're even talking about the other controversial play of the timeout, which I know you're going to get to, is a terrible spot by the officials. On the second, on second down, down, Todd Gurley run. Yeah, Just so, a god-awful spot. So oh we'll get there god. here. Yeah, so Seattle ends up punting the football back to the Rams. They get it. They get first play, first of all. Not first a good play. punt, by the way. Not a good punt. First play, Todd Gurley, 13-yard run. So, I mean, look, you could isolate certain moments. And to be honest, big picture, I felt like Gurley had a huge game. I really did. Because I was like, dang, that guy's so good. But you think about the amount of inside the 10 and inside the 5 carries he had that he got stopped short on or or had a 5-yard gain on. You know, you look at, ended up his, his yards per carry was only 3.5. It's still a good day, but you hold a guy like that of his caliber to 22 for 77? Especially given the... Three touchdowns, I know. I know. A couple of close-to-the-goal-line touchdowns there, too. But, but given the weapons that they have and the, the, the amount of players you have to respect, well, at least for the first half, you're right. That was an impressive effort. But Gurley was also pretty lethal in the passing game, right? He had a couple of big passes, big, big catches. all over in the passing game. So Four for 36. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, I get what you're saying, but, yeah. man, he's just so talented. He's so talented. He's so good. Might be the best back in the league. Probably is. Um but anyway, first and 10 for them, you know, first play goes for 13 yards. And so you're already on, on the back foot there. Then you get a two-yard carry, second and eight, Gurley around the left side. I thought that was an easy first down. I don't know how that never got challenged or reviewed or whatever. Yeah, because teams can't challenge, right? Was it inside? No, it wasn't. It inside wasn't inside two minutes. So I'm not sure what McVay was doing. He he must have, he's so, he's so focused on the mindset of, Let's go get it. Let's go get it. Let's go Did get it. Did they have a timeout left at that point? Um, because maybe if they didn't have a timeout left, he doesn't make that call. I mean, he can't challenge it. Yeah. In theory. But that was, I mean, honestly, I've watched that play probably 20 times. There's no way he and was I'm, that short. I'm trying to to figure out in my head how yeah. they could have possibly spotted the ball. They spotted like where his knee went down was what it felt like. Like the officials, and he was clearly. But it wasn't even. That was inaccurate. Yeah, it was. Ex- he got the free. It felt like they they spotted it the way that you would spot it when a quarterback is sliding. Yeah. Like at the beginning yeah. of the quarterback slide. Yeah. It's it was like that bizarre. Apply here. It was very bizarre. So I don't know how that never got reviewed. I mean, but that's I agree. a huge story if Seattle ends up winning that game. If Seattle wins that game, I mean, that should be the story. Yeah. And so that's all part of the context, right? Seattle probably catches a break there. 
Now, you still have to capitalize on that break, and they did. Third and one, Gurley gets a half a yard, and Tedrick Thompson makes a huge stop. Big play by Tedrick. And then you get the fourth, and they said one. It was fourth and inches. It was it was fourth and three quarters. It was of like a, yard. a football length, <laughs> yeah. probably. Yeah. And Rams bring on the punt team with the clock rolling. They bring out the chains to measure. Pete Carroll in his post game said he called a timeout before the measurement. Before the measurement, they bring out the chains to measure. The punt team for the Rams is coming on, so they're showing their hand. You're like, oh my god, we're gonna get the football. Insane. Short on the measurement. Pull it back. Pete gets the option to rescind the timeout. Jesus, no, I, I want to keep the timeout. The Rams think it over. They send the offense back out on the field. And they go for it on fourth and one. And uh, they call a great play. And to be honest, it was great execution. There is art and skill to executing a good quarterback sneak. That was done perfectly and beautifully. Jared Goff gets it comfortably. Game over. Now, I forget where the ball was at this time because we, we forget that that's still a pretty ballsy move by McVay. But if, if you know anything about this guy, he's got all the balls in the world. And uh, it was on their own 42 yard line. Two yard line. On their Seattle own would essentially be in field goal or very close to field goal range. It'd be 10 yards away. Yeah. If they can get that. Stop. Not even that. They'd be seven, five or six yards away. Right. Yeah. So they go for it. They get it. Game over. You're helpless. Immediately, you think, if we don't take the timeout, do the Rams go ahead and punt the ball? I think they do. I think they do punt it if you don't call a timeout. I don't think they fake it there. I think you brought that up earlier. I think that'd be too risky. Man, every, I, too I was risky. thinking it, though. I was, like, screaming at the TV, watch the fake! <laughs> yeah, yeah, you got to watch for it. You got to watch for it. And I guess McVeigh, I wouldn't really think How many out. times is freaking John Fossil dumb face hecker <laughs> Yeah, John, us John Fossil, their special teams coordinator, got us again with a block punt. Man, he's good. He's done that forever. He's like made his career out of just tormenting Seahawks and their he, fans. He really has. Remember the the, the fake punt return? We're not doing say. this. No, there's too much pain already. Anywho, <laughs> do you have a t- do you have a problem with the timeout call? Yes or no? Okay, initially, I was like screaming at the TV, like, "Why did he take a timeout there? Oh my god, what an idiot! Why did he take a timeout there?" And then I realized that the clock had only been stopped to measure. I was initially frustrated, but I think it's easy in hindsight to say, oh, he shouldn't have he shouldn't have taken a timeout because they changed their mind. Does Pete know that McVay's gonna change his mind? Does he assume that he's going to change his mind? You know what I mean? Like I feel like like you're we're trying to somehow get into the head of an opponent when mm-hmm. you have no idea what they're thinking. Now there is a train of thought that says, honestly, I had more issue with him not calling timeout before the two minute warning than I did with him calling a timeout there. Um, because that's traditionally, that's how you save time is you call timeout before the two-minute warning because less time will go off the clock at the end. But I personally don't have an issue with it now that, I'm, you know, now that I've been able to calm down and think about it. Now, would it have been nice to have that, in, that timeout in pocket because the middle of the field then becomes open while you're trying to get into field goal range if they punt? Of course, but that is a lot of time to come off the clock. You're talking about one of the best punters in football, pinning you deep in your own territory. I know Russell Wilson has pulled the rabbit out of the hat many times, but you know, you're talking about less than a minute 
to get into field goal range. That's a that's a lot to ask. I think that that 35, 40 seconds does matter. Yeah, I agree. I would have taken the timeout as well. Unless the only component is, if it's a chess match between you and your opponent, are you even thinking about not giving him the opportunity to put his offense back on the field? I don't know. I, I, that's so hard for me to predict or project. But could you argue that that's what separates? Would McVay do that if he was in the same situation? You know, I, would Belichick do that? Would Belichick have, have done that and be like, oh, my goodness, they've got their punt team. I'm not going to risk anything here. Just give me the football back. Just give give me the football. I'll take the 30 seconds. You're basically exchanging 35 seconds for the football as opposed to saving time but risking not having the football again. If you it's know that they're going to hard real time um, equation. Yeah, it's to very try to easy because out. think about everything that's going on in that moment. You have you have the short on fourth down, so Pete calls the timeout naturally, right? And then you actually get the measurement where the ref shows both sidelines. This is how much time. And between that and the official asking him, "Do you still want a timeout?" That is how quick he has to make that yeah. decision. That's and a, that's so impossible. If you haven't been there before, and maybe he has been there before, but. How do you expect him to be like, oh, they're going to butt. No, let's keep that time out. I mean, here's the other thing. I think it's easy to with Pete Carroll because he has had some notoriously questionable in big games, both in college and the NFL, right? Big game decisions that have gone very wrong. It's easy to question any sort of game management decision that he makes because he has made some decisions that a lot of people don't agree with in the past. But not that doesn't mean that every decision that he made was wrong. Well, think about it this way. They don't take the timeout. They get the ball back. They have one timeout left. They ended up getting it deep into, you know, Ram yeah. territory. Say they get it inside the 10. Oh, no, sorry. No, no, no. sorry. I, well, I guess I, I, I misspoke. Say they get it to, like, you know, edge of field goal range, but the clock's running now, and they rush the field goal team on there, and it's a 45-yard field goal at the buzzer. Janikowski lines it up and misses. Everybody says, why didn't you take the timeout on fourth and one? The counter would be, oh, well, because maybe the Rams changed their mind. And the response to be with that is like, that's such a hypothetical. That's such a minuscule chance that they would actually do that. Don't be ridiculous. Well, it happened. So, you know, damned <laughs> if you do, damned if you don't. It feels a little bit like it, that is kind of the scenario there. and. To no I, win. I understand the initial frustration because I think a lot of people, though, with the clock stopped at least and everything's going on. So think about this, by the way. All of us idiots watching on TV, or at least maybe it was just me. No, and, I'll, I'll enjoy that. Group. And I saw a lot of, because I was you know, on Twitter, obviously, during all this, a lot of people, why did he call timeout? And we're all dumb, not realizing that the clock was going to start again right. after the measurement. Right. So we're all stupid, and we're here guessing the guy what? that has to make the decision Twitter? in real time on stupid? the field. Twitter stupid? That's so Look, weird. Pete Carroll has done a lot of things that I haven't agreed with in game, and he does make some really bad decisions. Like calling timeouts on like a third and 20 deep in your own territory to, to, set to, to save a delay of game. Let's set it up. Terrible, terrible decision making, right? I mean, he's done those things before, but I don't know how you question him on this play. In the end, the Rams, which is why they're 5-0 and and why they're one of the best teams in the NFL, if not the best, because they made the plays down the stretch that they needed to. They certainly did. And to be honest, even though it's a division rival, sure is a heck of a lot of fun watching that offense play. Looking forward to big things from them the rest of the way. Any last thoughts from this game? You know, I know 
But I think that the expectation, my expectations for them this season is definitely higher than it was going into the game like we talked about. So it did change for you. Well, I still think that they're a mediocre team like I did when the season started. But after that Arizona game, yeah, I was thinking like five or six wins. So the expectations were at a certain point, they lowered after Arizona and they raised back to where they yes. were. Yes. This felt like LA. this. I know that sounds weird, but this felt like a, like a 2011 Seahawks team where they were going to get blown out multiple times. I obviously thought so. they weren't going to be competitive in a lot of games against quality opponents. And I feel like while they might have some losses that are a little bit, uh, you know, out of question with a couple minutes left in the game, five minutes left, this is a team that's going to be competitive the majority of the season, which is good to see. Shout out David Moore. Big second half. Couple of touchdowns for him. Great footwork on the sidelines. <sighs> I don't know how Man. David Miles, but I'll take it. Yeah, I mean, Baldwin was a non-factor. And, <laughs> yeah. you know, I mean, I don't know if the knee. And you're right. I don't know what happened to Marcus Peters. He was terrible in this game. He must still be injured. Tedrick Thompson made some plays. Got pantsed on some others. You got to make the tackle on Cooper Cup going to the end zone. He looked like timid you know, on that play, didn't he? A little bit like uh, he looked wide-eyed all game. Yeah, I'm glad it was great for his confidence to get that crucial stop on Gurley. I think that's something you just clip on tape and show it to him every week. Yeah, hopefully that'll like, help. This him is a you. Bit. This is you. This is you. McDougal played really well, dude. So well. Frank Clark with the pick after being shot up by IVs all week. Good for him. Yeah, because the pass rush was... Mm, yeah, not great. Mm. I mean, they get the ball out fast on a lot of those. Robert Woods. How athletic is that cat? That play over the middle and the little chap step. Oh, my Lord. Is he good or what? But you know what? Seattle has a couple of good running backs. That's the other thing. You know what? Gosh, man. Davis runs with some passion. I know Carson has all the stats and he looked great. But Davis runs with... He's an NFL back. Like that, that would, and that goes back to my question. Should this be a game that the NFL takes note of the Seahawks? Because no one on paper will bat an eye at the names Chris Carson and Mike Davis. But you watch these guys in film, you watch them. These guys can run. Yeah. They play with passion, they play with authority. And I love the outside zone play that they run where Russell gets to peel out naturally and lead block. Fires me up every single time. And you can see it unfolding. And this is arguably one of the best running efforts we've seen in the Russell Wilson era where he did not make one attempt running the football. That's another thing that I think should be mentioned here because I don't know why he's not running the football as much. Is it the hamstring that's kind of been an issue the last couple of weeks? Is it just they, they know that they can't afford to have him injured? So the read option is essentially, unless you really see something, you're you need to give that ball off. I don't know. But the fact that he was basically a non-threat running the football, and they were still able to find that type of success. I think it's really, really encouraging. Yeah. Because if 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 he's a guy that later in the season they do let unleash a little bit and run the football a bit more, I mean, this can only get – I mean, this might get better, you know, as the season progresses. And it looks like, barring injury, you see your offensive line for the Seattle Seahawks for 2018. And you know what? It doesn't look too shabby. Yeah, good job, Mike Solari. Solari's gotten these guys up to par. And and that, that's a storyline that we got to keep monitoring. These guys, new system, five games in. We've seen them improve just about every week. Will that improvement keep coming? Because if it does, it could be a top 10 rushing team at the end of the year, maybe more. Yeah, I mean, Posick has lost his job, without a doubt. You know, Sweezy's played well. He was inactive, I think, as well. Yeah, yeah. and I know he's, you know, still. And, and Fant actually was out there for a couple plays. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah that's right. Yeah, and they, they ran well behind him as well. So, uh, you know, when you look at Fetty kind of settling down after the first few weeks of the season, 
maybe it's Fluker having Fluker next to him. You know, that trust level maybe is a little bit better with Fluker. But man, that offensive line, it's not going to necessarily be world beaters. We're not talking about top five in the NFL, but they looked pretty good. It's about how how do you play as a group? Yep. How do you play as a and group? And when you're not having a conversation about the offensive yep. line, you know something good is happening. Yep. Getting the whole play better than the sum of its parts. That's what we saw in this game. Hopefully that's what we see moving on in the future. He's Brian Perkins. I'm Chu Danubi. Catch us again Friday on the Game Plan Podcast as we preview the London game. London? London. You sound like you're from London. Against the Oakland Chuckies. Peace.